What? Oh, 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 you're here for a podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Plus, I have no wiggle room since I missed last week, so thanks for being here this week. Yeah, my bad, guys. I, I did 14 weeks without missing a week, and then I missed a week, but I was sitting there last Sunday, because I usually record Sundays, and then I post Monday, and I was like, what do I say? <laughs> what do I talk about? I, uh, th- I knew that I would run into that starting a podcast... I don't know how people just go and go and go and go. Because I I feel like I have a well that's going to run dry at some point. There's only so many stories I can tell, so many opinions I can give. My channel would have to become some sort of a news, like it's progressing with news stories where I talk about what happened this week or whatever. But okay, anyways, I I wrote, uh, I'm going to start off talking about my childhood heroes. I have two that I know I needed to talk about, and one who is no longer a hero, but is an honorable mention, just because I can't erase the history that I have listening to this guy. And then I have some stories to tell more towards the end of this podcast, but some intense stories and then some embarrassing stories. So, okay, so the first childhood hero that I want to talk about. I don't expect many of you guys to know, and that's what makes me sad. But I was exposed to this guy, Mark Lowry. If you guys don't know who Mark Lowry is, Mark Lowry is a stand-up comedian and singer. Beautiful singer. I think he was mostly doing stand-up in the 80s and 90s, but he's a Christian comedian. And he was the first stand-up comedian I ever watched. And I watched a lot of him because he has several specials and music albums. He was like the Weird Al of Christian music. I mean, he was, he would parody music or make original comedy songs. And that was kind of his specialty. So his specials, his comedy specials are a mix of stand-up and goofy music videos. And I've met Mark Lowry twice. I've gone and seen him and, and seen him twice. The first time I actually got to serve him backstage, I brought him snacks and got to serve him because my aunt was running the event that he was at. So, And um, Mark Lowry has this bit where he puts in Billy Bob teeth, and so I remembered that bit, and when I walked up to him, I put Billy Bob teeth in and made him laugh, and we had this whole exchange. But I love Mark Lowry, dude. I met him when I was like seven, and then I met him like ten years after that. And honestly, a lot of my comedy... I feel like you guys have Mark Lowry to thank (laughs) because so much of my sense of humor and my ADHD, a lot of that just comes straight from him. Mark Lowry's like mid-60s now, so he's getting up there, which is sad to see, but he's still rocking it. He toured with the Gaither Vocal Band for a a long time. He still might be doing it. Mark Lowry just makes ADHD and fat jokes about himself. That, That helped me because I was also ADHD and fat growing up. So to hear Mark Lowry make fat jokes about himself, ADHD jokes about himself, it really helped. I I think it really helped me learn to uh, embrace that as comedy, embrace my physique, embrace my circumstances, my situation into my comedy. So briefly, you know, I just wanted to share, if you don't know who Mark Lowry is, I'll allow you to go discover him because he's hilarious. And he has a beautiful voice. If Even if you don't listen to his comedy and you want to listen to his music, Mary Did You Know is his best song. I have sang it in many churches and Christmas events. 
It's a Christmas song. Mary, did you know? Is such a beautiful song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy has kissed the face of God? Did you know that your baby boy? All right. Okay. So the next person, uh, hero, childhood hero of mine, is Lou. Ferrigno. Okay, I'll say that again for the clarity of it. Lou Ferrigno, a.k.a. The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> so in the 70s and 80s, there was a TV show and a bunch of movies called The Incredible Hulk. This dude trained with Arnold Schwarzenegger to be Mr. Olympia. He was also, I think, in 1984? No, maybe 74. Which one was it? 1974. I think it was 74. Lou Ferrigno was in World's Strongest Man just for that one year. Maybe it was 78. I don't know. I've only met people who are either Team Lou Ferrigno or Team Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because those two were just giant powerhouses who rivaled each other in this in this sport for so many years. And I've always been Team Lou because he was the freaking Hulk, dude. <laughs> Who is also my favorite superhero. So Lou Ferrigno, I believe, is in his 70s now, along with Arnold. But I love Lou's career because he was in one of my favorite TV shows, randomly, uh, King of Queens, with Kevin James and Lee Remini. And it's interesting to me that he was in that show or anything besides the Hulk because he is mostly deaf. He was born mostly deaf and he had to learn English just by reading lips. I don't know why or if he's ever learned sign language. I don't think his hearing was that bad to warrant sign language, but I don't think he ever did, which is interesting to me that he never did. That'd be kind of funny to see the Hulk doing sign language. I had the pleasure of meeting Lou Ferrigno when I was six or seven years old. I have a picture to prove it. I can even throw it up if I find it. But my buddy and I, Stephen, we went um, to a car show and we had tickets and we knew that he was going to be there. So I go, and I'm like, Lou Ferrigno's signing my book. I remember my mom and I handed him a uh, Gospel of John book, which is the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And he signed it and handed us back the book, and we're like, no, 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 that's for you. And he was like, oh, thanks. So I got to witness, evangelize to Lou Ferrigno, maybe a little bit. He probably threw it away, but he got his own autograph out of the deal. Lou Ferrigno also became a deputy in Los Angeles, I think during the time that Schwarzenegger was governor, so there's probably some some help there. And Lou Ferrigno is now in this TV show called The Offer, I think it's on Paramount+. Plus. It's about the making of The Godfather, and Lou Ferrigno is just in the show, it's so cool. <laughs> okay, so the honorable mention that I wanted to mention is uh, Bill Cosby. And I have to say that he was a childhood hero of mine because he was... I listened to his albums from the ages of 7 to 12. After Mark Lowry, Bill Cosby was the next stand-up comedian that I listened to and obsessed over. One of the only clean stand-up comics at the time. I, I feel like I was listening to his albums from the 70s. And I had whole bits memorized. I mean, Bill Cosby's bit about going to the dentist... Dude, I mean, I've listened to that so many, so many times. But it's been close to two decades that I haven't listened to them. So there's reason for that. So obviously I say all this with like somber feeling that it's so disgusting to me that 
that the man that I was so influenced by at that early age ended up being such a monster that is and will always be very hard to come to terms with. Bill Cosby, I mean, it's just, uh, it's incredibly, incredibly sad. You know, there's a documentary on Showtime about about him where it documents every case year by year and location by location that Bill Cosby would have been like, oh, 1978, he was in Illinois and he did this to this woman. You know, it's just, uh, it's a really, really disturbing, shocking documentary. But like I said, Mark Lowry was the the Christian comedian that I was listening to, and then Bill Cosby was the clean secular comedian that I could listen to. And then by the time I was 12, I had listened to everything he had put out, so that's why I stopped listening to him then. But uh, 10 years later, found out some new stuff. And it's absurd to me that he's out of prison now. He only spent three years in prison, and I think that's all he's going to do. But instead of ending that on a sad note, I just wanted to reiterate that these these three men that I mentioned were extremely formative on me and my comedy specifically. Well, not the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, the Hulk was hilarious. <laughs> no, I, I mean the two comedians. But the Hulk, the Hulk signifies something completely different to me. Because there is an obsession with bodybuilding or weightlifting that exists within me, but it's not one that I've tapped into for myself. I just like people who have achieved it for themselves, and I find them very... Brian Shaw, Lou Ferrigno, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Eddie Hall. I have a picture of Lou Ferrigno hanging on my wall. Like, I I love... him. (laughs) And I actually was really trying to rack my brain about any other childhood heroes, but I... It is... Hard to think of any others, so maybe I'll just uh, move on. <laughs> There's a hair on my shirt that's been there all this time. Was anybody else homeschooled? No, just me. Okay, well, I kind of want to talk about being homeschooled, honestly. So from what I understand, the reason that we were homeschooled is because we traveled around the West Side States for six years, so we had to bring school with us. I mean, we visited hundreds of churches, mind you. Hundreds of churches, which is just a blur. Those six years, I I don't remember. It was like schoolwork, church, and movies. That was pretty much my life. And food. I mean, I, I was homeschooled up until college. And my mom, my mom was the teacher, obviously. And she said that one of the biggest compliments that she has been given is when somebody's like, I had no clue your kids were homeschooled. And she's like, ah, thanks, right. Because usually you can tell if a family is homeschooled or not. But I like to hear that people are surprised to hear that I was homeschooled. I'm like, ah, score for me. High five. Ah, that seems homeschooled. The only time that I was not homeschooled was the two years in Brazil that I was going to a missionary kid's school and I learned Portuguese at that school. I mean, there was only like eight of us kids there, so it was not even close to public school or even private school. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much just cheated my whole way through the senior year because there are just forums online of of homeschool moms. (laughs) So I would just act as a homeschool mom, go on there and look up all the codes. I almost said codes. Look up all the answers and just be like, all right, I got to make this, I got to mark this one wrong because or else I can't get everyone right. (laughs) But for that reason, homeschool was was nice because I controlled the hours. Or there would be some days where we'd wake up and there would be something happening or an event and we're just like, oh, we're just going to 
do school later or push it to tomorrow. And it's like, yeah. So you have full control over your own schedule and all that stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I liked it. I do feel like there's a level of social activity that I missed out on by not going to public school. But at the same time, I also went to hundreds of churches and I went to Brazil for eight years. So I think that's a little bit more than public school. Plus, in Brazil, we were not even about to go to the Brazilian school because the Brazilian school system is just not appealing to us. Like, I'm not even sure exactly how it works here in the States, but I know in Brazil, if you fail one class, you repeat the whole year. You you are there for life. (laughs) Like, there are a lot of, a, a lot of people most... I don't know about most, but a lot of the people in the congregation in the church that we went to in Brazil, some of the women didn't make it past fifth grade, and they just left school because they kept re- having to repeat years. So they're just like, well, I'm going to leave. Or they'd be like mid-40s with a family and going back to high school to get their diploma or GED, G- or GED, their GED. Like I said, I don't know how it works. I don't even know if they have a GED in Brazil or not. It wouldn't be called that. <laughs> Man, oh, I should just turn this off. Okay, I guess I can get into some of the more intense stories that that I have here. These are probably some of the most intense situations that I've been put in here in life. Only one of them takes place in the States, so three of them are in Brazil. Okay, so the first one, my family was at the beach one time, and my mom and dad were like, hey, let's go exploring, and I was like, yeah. So... We went exploring. There's a beach, and then there's a huge, like, rock formation. I mean, it's like a cliff, you know. And and the cliff meets the ocean pretty much. There, there's some give there. There's a little bit of beach there. But we were just going to explore and, like, cross in front of this rock and go to the other side of it. So as we're right there in front of this cliff you know i mean there's a wall right there i remember hearing my mom scream and then i turned my head to see a wall of water coming right at my family and the the ocean already scares the crap out of me like it it scares my mom the ocean is just such a beast and I'll, i'll never forget that image of looking over and being like what can we do This water is about to slam into us, and it hit us and went over my sister's heads, and I I was probably shorter at the time, and it came up to my chest, and then went back out, and luckily didn't come back in, because that would have been bad. So my family just had to scurry out of there, and we're, we're like on super hot rocks and stuff, but just because of how scary the ocean is... And how bad that could have been, I will never forget that wall of water just rushing at us. It was not just like, oh, that's a fun wave. No, it was like, uh, that's actual danger. Good thing none of my family was like swept out with it, because that's what we were all concerned about, I think. There was another time that my brother, my dad and I were driving to basketball We're stopped at a light, we see a cop turn right, go ahead of us, and he turns his car perpendicular to the road, so he's barricading, so we can't go through. We roll up to him, past the light, and then we see a a cross in the opposite, on the oncoming traffic, 
is kind of the same setup, a cop doing the same thing, barricading. And the cops on the other side of the road are acting super nervous and they have their guns drawn and they're like checking cars. So they're looking for somebody. And then all of a sudden, guns start going off. And my dad starts screaming at me and my brother to get down. So I remember just hearing shots and going, whoop, and just laying down in the seat. But that was nuts because my dad was just thinking stray bullet. Something, something's going to come through our car. We're right across the street from all these guns being shot. Because apparently they found the dude that they were looking for and he started shooting first. So that was pretty nuts, dude. NGL. Not going to lie. A couple months before that, I don't know why I'm telling these out of order. We were driving home from basketball. Ah. One thing you should know about Brazil is they take their soccer a little seriously. I mean, did you guys ever hear about that one referee that made a bad call at a soccer game? And they beheaded him for that? Not only did they behead him, they beheaded him, put it on a spoke, and were like raising, you know, something straight out of Lord of the Rings. We're driving home from basketball, and we see about 25... Young adults walking on the sidewalk. The only thing is, they're carrying metal rods and rocks and knives. We get to an intersection where that group of people, also known as a gang, they run into this group of people. Two different gangs for two different soccer teams. That's what this was. Grêmio versus Internacional. Once they saw each other, the two groups, all hell broke loose. Rocks, chaos, glass shattering in the cars in front of us and behind us. Luckily, nothing happened to our car. Police on motorcycles started getting in there. I don't think any uh, gunfire was discharged, luckily, but my dad scooted out of there with the car. I remember him telling us to get down, so I just remember the movement of the car, but I don't remember seeing... Anything past the past when I dipped down. But that was nuts, too. I mean, I don't know how we left unscathed. Nothing happened to the car. I can't believe it. But that was bizarre and something I don't think you would find here in, in the States. Especially not for soccer. <laughs> I just bit the crap out of my cheek. And then the last intense story is probably the most intense. Uh, my family was running a fireworks stand in 2011, the summer. So we're obviously like coming up to July 4th and our fireworks stand is next to one of the most dangerous intersections in my city and it's that dangerous because of how many accidents happen there. We're sitting there, there's customers in the store, all of a sudden we hear screeches and ba 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 Clearly a car accident. I had never heard a car accident before. I remember it very very unique sound to it. I remember my brother got up and walked, my older brother got up and walked out of the tent and I followed him and Casey saw the stickers on the Suburban that was Arth as one of the cars in the accident, telling us that that was my parents in the accident. And I, I will never forget him saying, that's mom and dad, and, it, and booking it over to them. And then so did I. And, uh... My mom tried to call her mom, but for some reason she called me. 
And I answered, and she was just sobbing and crying, and I could tell she was in extreme pain. And I was like, you know, the 17-year-old kid, like, what? So then I booked it. I remember running across the intersection diagonally, like, not in a crosswalk, nothing. I just sprinted to my mama. And I remember opening the door, and she was in so much pain from her back because the somebody had ran a red light. Their light was red for seven seconds, and she claimed that the sun was in her eyes. She's going 45 miles an hour, and she hits one truck, and she's a little car. She hits a truck that then hits my parents' truck. Or I think she hit and spun around and hit my parents' Suburban. And my parent's Suburban went on its side almost. and was like, don't, 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 like bouncing on its side. Yeah, I just will never forget the, the scene in the intersection, pulling my parents out of the car and just the fiasco that it caused. So those, those four stories right there are pretty much the most intense stories that I've been in that were like out of my control and involved me and other family members. But luckily we were were safe out of all those scenarios. But, you know, I feel like they're relatively unique stories. Maybe not the car accident, but the beach, the police shooting, and the gang fight. Those are are all pretty unique, I feel like. now, Now I have some more embarrassing stories to tell. I did tell these stories as a stand-up set back in March, and they were the first times that I'd ever told those stories in front of people before, but I felt that I would translate those stories into podcast form, so I'm going to tell you those. Uh, So the first one has to do with, well, both of them have to do with bodily functions, but um, the first one, I remember taking a nap, and I was living with my parents at the time. I was taking a nap. I woke up from said nap. My parents had just gotten home from a trip, so I socialized with them for a little while. And then I go take a drive. I think I go to the dispensary. Maybe I go somewhere else, and then I come home. For some reason, I just decide to get in the shower. It's like 10.30 at night. There's other people at the house, too, so I think I talk to them for a little while. I end up getting in the shower. I take my whole shower, (laughs) and I get out. As I'm drying off, I go back here with the towel... And I get a little stuck. And I'm like, what? So I look at the towel. And I realize I got a handful of dookie on the towel. (laughs) And I go, what? So I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I go to the toilet paper. I go, is there more? There was a lot more. Handfuls. I was like, dude. So... I get back in the shower and I start thinking to myself, when did this happen? Who have I interacted with? A lot of people. Where have I sat? So I had to backtrack after I got out of the shower. My car seat found a pebble. Living room was fine. My desk office chair, a literal streak, not just online. So I was like, excusez-moi. I mean, that's like kind of the end of the story, but... I'm still baffled that I spent three and a half hours going like, Hey, what's up, dude? Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, I know the game was great with a butt full of dookie. And the fact that I never smelt it, felt it, nothing. And ever since then, I have made sure to properly wash in the shower the first time. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, uh, there's that one. 
Uh, and then this has happened a couple times, but <laughs> I don't know how to start it. But basically, I don't have the biggest wee-wee. <laughs> not the smallest either, but not the biggest. So that makes urinating a little tricky, especially in public places. Because I have a routine, which usually involves just a wipe afterwards. So this particular time, I was at a buddy's birthday party. We had smoked a lot of the devil's lattice. The Mary Jane. We, And I went to the bathroom, and I decided to skip the usual routine, which is to grab some toilet paper and prepare for the uh, drip drip. But instead of the drip drip, it was so much worse. I get situated, I start peeing, and I realize I'm not hearing anything. So I look down, and I realize that I have soaked the entire front of my white basketball gym shorts. Now, I have two options. I can stay in here and try and take care of it, stay in the bathroom for way too long, or I can go out there and face the music. Well, I suppose I can go out there and either tell them and be like, hey, I need to change your clothes, or just don't say anything. I chose to not say anything. I left the bathroom. We went about our day. We went and played disc golf. We got ice cream. We witnessed a fight. We went downtown. None of us said a word, but I know every single one of us smelt it, so living with that is where the embarrassment comes in, because <laughs> I'm sure everybody's like, I, I smell pee, but I'm not going to say anything, <laughs> so thinking about that story makes me cringe, but a little bonus story, I did the same thing pretty much at uh, uh, at a buddy's house, I, I went to the bathroom, <laughs> I was wearing gray sweatpants. Pretty much the same thing happens where I just realized I look down and there is a wet spot that goes from my crotch down to my ankle. Just a line. And so that one, I actually I did stay in the bathroom that time. I learned my lesson. And I just grabbed one of their towels that was on the wall and I just like rub dried my, my pants until the, the dark line was like faded enough. <laughs> And then I just went back into his room and kept, you know, playing video games or whatever. So I guess luckily these stories are kind of incognito embarrassment because I wasn't outright embarrassed. It's not like my friends were like, ha ha. So I guess for that, it's not that embarrassing. Huh, I kept it. I kept the lid on it. Look at me. But yeah, I am happy to have shared some of these stories with you guys. Both intense and slightly embarrassing. Along with some of the childhood heroes, minus Phil Collins But again, sorry for missing last week. That will not be the case for this coming week. Thank you guys so much for being here and listening. I'll catch you guys, uh, well, next week. Kind of like I said. So, bye. Bye.